There's more than 10,000 children in foster care in the state of North Carolina, and that number's been on the rise for the past decade. It's only been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, and there's several hundred children in foster care right here in Gaston County. Today on Savvy Citizen, we're talking with Shonda Hibbs and Lindsay and Andrew Weathers, who are talking to us about what it's like to be a foster care parent, some of the highs and lows, and some of the things that you could expect if you were interested in getting into foster care parenting. First, wanted to, to kind of open it up to, to each of you. What made you want to become a foster care parent? I've known since I was a kid myself that I was going to grow to want to foster and potentially adopt in my adult life. And so when we were dating and got engaged, it's something I was just very open and honest with Andrew about. So that came about prior, like those discussions were had prior to marriage. It was just something I was always passionate about for some some reason, yeah. So were you were your parents involved in, in doing foster care when you were a kid or, or no. what kind of spurred that for you? I don't know. I always loved, and this is not to equate foster care to babysitting in any way, but I always loved taking care of kids in mm-hmm. general. And as such, my mom made a comment when I was a teenager that I would make a good adoptive parent just because I would be able to love any and care for any kid just like I would my own she could tell that wasn't like the seed that was planted it was planted long before that I've just always wanted to help kids so yeah Shonda what about for you I don't know if there was ever really like a desire to be a foster parent it was made very clear to uh first me and then Mike through a variety of different signs that this was obviously something we were supposed to be doing um Mm commercials, people that we met, you know, just things that happened in our everyday life for about six months that were like, oh, we should apparently be discussing this. And so we went through with it, and uh, here we are. So how many children do you, each of you have that are currently that are in the foster care system, and then how many children total have you, have you taken care of? Oh, you want me to go first? <laughs> okay. So I currently have five children in my home. Uh, we have adopted three of them from foster care. Okay. We have permanent guardianship of the fourth one from foster care, and the fifth one is in foster care currently. Okay. My husband and I also have two adult daughters. Okay. And we have total fostered 46 children. Wow. That's incredible. Over over what period of time? 4 years. Over 4 years. Over 4 years. Wow. Okay. That's that's almost difficult to wrap my mind around. Well, you know, but we have five kids all of the time. Yeah. You know, and they were all, you know, because we moved out here empty nesters, they're all from the system. So, yeah. you know, granted, only technically one of them is in the system now. Right. We had, you know, five kids all the time. And I'm assuming with going through that, that number of kids in just four years that some of the kids that you fostered you've maybe only had for, for like a week or something like that. We've had some for as little as seven hours because we were an emergency placement Okay, up to the ones that we adopted that we've had for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, Andrew? We're at the other end of that spectrum. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we have four kids um, in our home right now. Our son, our older son, is adopted from okay. foster care. He was our second placement, or no, third placement uh, um, that we had ever had. And 
two months after we replaced with him, we found out that we were pregnant with twins. Oh, wow. And so that kind of paused any taking any placements during that time of transition and just everything happening. So in total, we have fostered four children. So our son being our third and our other kiddo, our fourth kiddo in our home is still in transition with um, the foster care system at this time. When you first decided to do foster care training, obviously there's a bit of a process in terms of, you know, what you've got to learn, the classes that you've got to go through. Was there ever a point when you were kind of doing that prep work that you said, you know, am I sure? Is this is this really for me? Because I, I know that they tend to try to warn you ahead of time of, of some of the challenges that are involved in being a foster care parent. When we went through it, first of all, we didn't do the regular MAPS class. We had a one-on-one licensing process with a social worker. Okay. Which was fantastic because we went through it at like twice the rate that everybody else does. Mm. Um, I kept waiting for Mike to say, you have lost your damn mind. <laughs> like, and, and that's that's kind of part of our relationship. He knows that when I you know, bring something with him, I have thought it all out, and I have not only a plan A, a plan B, but probably a plan Z, mm. you know, for, for what's going to happen and how we're going to adjust to it, and this is where we're going to end up. And so lots of times I, I, I wish that when I'd bring him a plan, He'd be like, you've, you know. Right, right. This is the line. This is, but he doesn't. He just, he's like, all right, let's go. And so, no, no one ever told me I was crazy. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I, I don't either. For us, I think our training was kind of an impulsive thing. I, I was looking on online and I just saw, uh, I think it was on a Sunday, that like that next Tuesday, a MAPS, just like an open class was beginning and I Look, young. Yeah, yeah. This mm-hmm. like we this was a, within a year and a half of us getting married oh, that wow. we start like at least like at most. And I looked at him and I said, "Look, like let's go to this first day of training. If it's n- if if after that you're like this is not gonna work, cool. You know, not right now. Or you know, we need to look at other options. Well, of course, that one week turned into the full." breadth of map mm-hmm. training. I'm a I'm different in terms of my professional background is counseling. Okay. So I, a lot of what is discussed in map courses and whatnot, I'm already in tune with sure. in terms of trauma, in terms of that the, that background. So that came as like second nature to me. Whereas for Andrew, and I don't want to speak for you, but like I know some of that was like new to you and like Absolutely. and learning all of that stuff. I think that also helped because if he had questions about certain concepts that I could like help explain, we could have discussions about it. So, yeah. Andrew, was that, was there a point when you were going through that class where you were kind of thinking to yourself, you know, what am I, what am I getting myself into? Every day. Okay. But I trust my wife. Yeah. Right. And this is something that she wanted to do. And then when it's all said and done, I think I'm, I'm just as much involved in, not, not just as much involved in this, but. I want to continue to do it, and that's why we have a 16-year-old girl in our house who takes it. Teenagers aren't the easiest thing to deal with. Sure. Right? Absolutely. So it's grown on all of us, and it's just a part of our everyday life now. I wouldn't, we wouldn't do it any differently at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. I've heard that it's a lot more difficult for especially teenagers, but middle schoolers and teenagers in particular, to get placements as opposed to 
you know, babies or toddlers because it's like everybody wants the cute and theoretically kids with maybe less emotional baggage. What age range have you each taken in and, and what has it been like for you? Have you targeted certain age ranges or have you been open to just about anything? Our youngest, our son was our youngest placement. He was 13 months old when he came to us. Okay. We At first, given that we were a young couple getting into this, we were open to, I think, what most young couples who venture into fostering are open to, which is, you know, those young, the, the toddler, baby, early elementary aged mm-hmm. um, kids. And then, of course, when we had our twins and we were looking to begin actively fostering again, um, <laughs> A, just logistically, we couldn't fit a f- fourth car seat in a car. <laughs> and so, um, and also um, diapers, diapers, yeah. you know. So we were like, uh, let's, 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 you know, begin fostering kids, like an age range where they're a little bit more self-sufficient sure. and can take care of themselves in many ways, you know, right. just for daily stuff, you know. And, and that's also at the beginning, it was, we were what, 27, 28, 29? Y- yeah, we were, yeah. I, I didn't want to take a 15-year-old kid in. Yeah. At first, yeah. You know, at first, I, I, I'm not ready for. I'm not ready to parent a teenager. I still act like a teenager. Because <laughs> we still do nail, but still. Because we're going on six years of okay. fostering total. So when we started, our our preference was over the age of two because we okay. wanted them, you know, close to being out of diapers, sleeping through the night, uh, right. you know, this kind of thing. The youngest that we have fostered w- was actually 15 days. I spent 10 days doing NICU stuff oh, goodness. Um, with a baby this past summer. And the oldest we have fostered uh, turned 18 while she was in our care. Okay. And was part of the 18 to 21 program, which is a great transitional program for kids that are in foster care. Mm-hmm. Probably 70% of our kids have been over the age of eight. Okay. Uh, we, we discovered very quickly that if we were going to have five kids, having four that, you know, could heat up something in the microwave if they needed to and could Mm -hmm. do their own laundry and could help run the vacuum was a lot easier than having four that needed me to help them in the bathroom. Does it help having, I guess at this point, four of the five kids that are there permanently now so that they've come from the system and they can help with the the foster kids that are kind of coming in and out? Absolutely. If for nothing else, then there's there's always a trust issue with a new placement, and it's right. you know it goes both ways because trust is earned, you know. But when they see other kids that one they can relate to because they've been in the system, but you know they're also their age, this kind of thing, it makes it easier for them to relate to us and trust us, whether they're there for a week or two months or whatever. So I couldn't help but notice you, you're wearing a shirt that says, yes, I get too attached. Yes. How do, how do you manage that as a foster care parent, knowing that for some of these kids, they're going to go back to their biological father, father or mother um, or guardian, some other relative, and you, know, you may think, oh, they're going to be better here with me. We can provide more stability, and it's hard to watch them go. The goal of foster care is always always, always, always reunification Yep. until it is not. But if you are not loving these children like they are your own, mm-hmm. then you're not doing it right mm. because it is not their fault. It is not their choice. Right. And what they need is somebody who can show them what 
relationships and family and love and stability looks like. And if you are doing it correctly, you are also being the adult in the situation and you are reaching out and you are offering perhaps not actual physical assistance, but, you know, what can we help you with? Is there something, you know, that can we help you look for a class that Mm -hmm. you need to take? Or can we help you learn some budgeting things? Or can we pray for you? Or can, what can we do to help you with the bio family? Because when they go back, you want to be able to say that I did everything that I could, not only for that child, but to make that child safe so that I can continue a relationship with that child. Mm. And, and uh, just to piggyback off that, not just that, like, yes, absolutely. The goal of foster care is always, 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 always reunification. And that has got to be prioritized in the foster home as well and supported in the foster home as well. But until it's not like you said, if it does shift to a secondary plan, like adoption or guardianship, I do not ever want my child feeling like I did not give it everything and did not support their biological, their first home Mm -hmm. in every way possible. I do not ever want my child to get the, I want to be able to look my child in the face as they grow and say, this is, this is what we did. This is how we helped and continue it when it's appropriate, even after adoption with our son, for example, with that contact, showing him pictures of family and keeping that communication and that dialogue open because it's not a secret. It's not, it's not something to try to keep hush-hush hidden. I think that that helps aid in healthy development down the road and coping with and processing the grief that comes with that loss as they develop because, and I'm sure you can attest, like adoption is wonderful when that is finalized and and that's what's what is pursued and what's best however it is also very traumatic there is a loss it's a very complicated set of emotions even as foster parents when we have kids that are transitioning through different types of plans that you don't get until you're in in that seat i remember you telling when we adopted our boy Mm -hmm. that it was extremely happy but it's also extremely sad that yes, he has us now, but he just lost, yeah, to a certain extent, his biological family, right? And so it's a very bittersweet moment from that standpoint, right? That takes a toll on us as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where it's like it's great that he's here now, but look what we got to feel about the once again, it's reunification. We got to we got to try to work with these people. I mean, we've just ca- lost their son, right? And we've we've even carried shared parenting beyond our son's adoption, Mm. you know, helping support his biological family through other things that have come up over the past three, four years. It's, it's a weird thing when another, like another family unit has direct ripple effects on your own family. And, um, it's a very, um, vulnerable position to be in, but I would, again, like you said earlier, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And that's what it means. I think in my opinion for shared parenting and, well, and, you know, one of the most memorable days for me as a foster parent was when I went to the court hearing where they were terminating my daughter's biological parents' parental rights. Mm-hmm. And I got home, and she looked at me, and she said, did they even show up to fight for me? Oh, gosh. 
you know, because at 11 years old, she gets it. Yeah. She knows. Yeah. And I had to be honest with her and say, no, honey, they didn't. She knows because she watched us that we continued to reach out. And then, you know, if she decides she wants to see him, that as long as she takes one of us with her, we're going to go see them. Yeah. And as long as it is healthy for her, we're going to go see them if that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. Two of our kids have adult siblings you know, that were in the foster care system that were actually at our house for a while, that mm. they have contact with on a very regular basis, you know, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. That's still, that is their family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but with the kids that we've had in our home, they're not the only siblings. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of siblings with a lot of these kids that are in there. And they all live here in Jackson okay. County. They're not too far off in ages. And it's just one of those things where they're going to end up seeing each other at some point, statistically speaking. Sure. Right? So there's just so much more stuff that's involved with this that just outside world just doesn't doesn't see, doesn't know. It's just it's an interesting <laughs> field. Well, yeah. you're, you're dealing with brokenness. Yes. I mean, you're, you're dealing with things that aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Just for, for each of you, how do you manage that in terms of you know, what kind of shell do you have to wrap yourself in to kind of protect yourself emotionally, but then also being able to provide that emotional support to, to all of these kids? Because it's, I, I mean, it's got to be difficult. Well, I stay pissed. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's hard to see your teenager and her parents want nothing to do with her to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, she might have another sibling that they want to spend more time with. And so now she's contemplating, well, why do they want to spend more time with her? not me. Mm. And so it's just so difficult for her, and we're the ones having to to pick her up. A- absorb her that, through those, yeah. Through right. those situations and help her understand what's going on and, and reiterate to her it's not her fault or not his fault. So it's just, it's, an, it's a roller coaster, that's for sure. And it's not the fun roller coasters either at the same time. And, and I feel like so if, if you're a couple venturing into foster care, like you, you have to have, like, both partners have to be in it 110% and, like, on the same page and communicating and being... Your family members. Your close family mm-hmm. members need to be on the same page. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But but especially for each other, and I don't want to speak for you and Mike, but, like, I know you, I, we're around y'all enough, um, that when you do have those mo- moment, moments of realness, those moments of frustration, anger, sadness, whatever, you, you can rely on each other mm-hmm. as that safe place so you can be what you need to be as a foster parent because you do you do have to kind of like turn it on turn it off like it is like Mm -hmm. there's there's a time and place for everything and we're human we're gonna it's not like we're like special that we don't feel these (laughs) feelings that we don't get too attached I I, that's like one of the number one reasons why people like when I tell people I'm a foster parent oh how can how do you do it I'd get to it Yes, I I get not, not, <laughs> no, I, no. I I get too attached as well. Like, but that's what these kids need, and I also think you handle it differently based on age range too. Like, in, in helping these kids process what's going on, you know, your little kids are gonna need that extra comfort and affection. It, some teenagers need that as well, but also some teenagers just want their space for a while, and you have to develop like you have to develop a level of comfort with your kid's coping style may not be yours <laughs> and it may not be something you're familiar with and that is okay but learning how to respond to each of your kids unique needs 
because it's going to look different. We deal with a lot of disappointment. Yeah. With what we do, and all the way around. All the way around. You know, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the difficulties, there's got to be a great sense of pride too that you feel when you see these kids achieve certain things and Absolutely. sometimes it's probably just even little things that wouldn't you wouldn't even notice in other kids absolutely our oldest son's older sister who lived with us for a while who was in the 1821 program beat the odds she turned 21 she graduated with a degree in cosmetology she mm. has a job she has an apartment that she pays for she broke free of the system because you know, she was supported in doing so, and that's amazing. You know, when her brother came to us, he was starting sixth grade and had a reading level of a second grader, and mm-hmm. now he's on the A honor roll as a freshman. Wow. You know, just and things that other parents perhaps expect mm-hmm. because, you know, they've had a role in the entire growing process right. that these kids are achieving because someone is investing in them mm-hmm. are amazing. Yeah, we were, when when our teenager came, first came to us, we were just glad that by the end of that school year, they were able to pull their grades up so that there were no Fs, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, that was the accomplishment for that school yeah. year, was that we, we finished that grade with no Fs. And it's great to hear her say later in the day, you know, well, why are you, you know, your grades are doing so good, and her response is, well, because I'm actually going to school now. Yeah. Mm. People care that I'm going to school yeah. Like that. And now now in high school we're talking all A's you know this this school year like that has been like the whole school year has been impacted by covid yep. you know and and we both work and so was, we we did rely on her heavily for to be self sufficient. Right. In terms of like if it's your virtual day you got to be on it, you know. Yep. She's done fantastic. So, like that right there is a is a huge deal. And now, now we're able to kind of shift into like kind of like that norm that normalcy yes. air quotes of a grade. For example, yesterday slipped into a high B, and I'm like, why is your grade I slipping see. from an A to a high B? You know, like we were able to shift like back into right. kind of like that. And and you responded. Your response was like, tough, tough love works. Love. And her her acknowledgement was, I know, like because we're pointing out some things. You know that. Typical teenage stuff. Consequences work. Yeah. That's one thing mm-hmm. a lot of these kids don't have are consequences. Sure. That comes from parenting and just or the lack of their parenting. And and they routine. Routine. Yeah. Consistency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My kids don't like telling people that I make them go to bed at like nine o'clock on the weekdays when they have school the next day. Yeah. But one of them came home. He's like, the "Kid was asleep in class like all day today." And I'm like, "Did you ask him why?" He's like, "Yeah." He said he was up playing video games. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And, you know, it was, a, it was a Friday, and so we let them stay up later, and then I, you know, we get up on Saturday morning, and we do stuff around the house, and I don't care what time you go to bed on Friday night, you're getting up when I get you up on Saturday morning. And I'm like, noon, he's like, oh my gosh, how do those people do that? Like, I need way more sleep than that. I'm like, that's right, buddy. Yes, you do. Yeah. I, I think it's funny, because we're, we're relatively young to have, to be parents to a... To a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because some of um, our child's friends' parents will ask us, well, how, how do you get her to blah, blah, blah? Or sh- can you show us how to yada, yada, yada? Yeah, like, how do you get her from being on you know, TikTok or YouTube? I'm like, 
you take it off their phone. Yeah, so that 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 that's been interesting too. It's just kind of like that dynamic and, and we're able to have and this is I will say this is after years of establishing trust and in in showing and demonstrating consistency on both parts but we're able to just have like open discussions with our children you know about just all of this so and and like she knows that her friends parents are asking these questions and all this stuff too so yeah that that's part of it our biggest rule is cell phones don't go upstairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's absolutely nothing that you need a cell phone for upstairs. You have an alarm clock. You have an Alexa that you can set an alarm on. There is no reason. Mm-hmm. There are too many bad things that happen with cell phones upstairs. Mm-hmm. And Why we disable everything. <laughs> um, you know, so we have a charging station downstairs, and that's where everybody's phone gets plugged in at nighttime. And uh, around Christmas time, our, our daughter's in seventh grade. and I saw this text message, which was from one of her friends and I'm like we need to talk about this and she goes I didn't do that and I said well I know you didn't do that because I disabled your camera like six months ago and she goes and I love that I'm never going to say that again <laughs> but they can ask me if I'm going to send them pictures like this and I can say my mom is really mean and she disabled my camera and they don't even talk to me anymore and it's fantastic <laughs> and I'm like I love that I will leave your camera disabled as long as you want me to yeah. she's right. like thanks it really makes it easier my daughter's only six, so I'm dreading that. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. We're dreading it with our younger three, for sure. So is the foster care community, is it? Is there a lot of sense of kind of support for one another? Well, yeah, it's, uh, I'll let y'all answer. Okay, so I know a ton of people who do foster care, mm-hmm. a ton of people. And I also know that if I need something, if it is make or break, I need something that I am going to get more of a response from any single one of those foster care parents mm-hmm. that I know this much or this much than I am from any of the people that I go to church with. Mm-hmm. Because they know that if I am reaching out for help, mm-hmm. that it is an yeah. emergency. It is yeah. genuine. I need help. Mm-hmm. I need help from somebody who understands the rules. I need help from somebody who has been there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if it's not foster parents, one of the other ones here in Gaston County is least of these. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They um, are fantastic. And yeah. I, I've known them since they were in a little bitty room the size of this thing that we're sitting in now. Now they're in front of Skate on 74 yep. in a mm-hmm. 8,000 square foot building. Yeah. If you need anything, yes. you can come pick mm-hmm. it up there that afternoon. Mm. Crib, bed, whatever you need, yeah. they will make it work. They will find it and get it to you. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Our kids still have their bags and use them. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have their names written on them. That is still the bags they use when they go to grandparents. They travel, yeah. We send all of our kids' grandparents quite often <laughs> so we can be quiet. <laughs> you know, but do I have a close friendship with all of these foster care parents? No, I don't. Because okay. we have lives. We yeah. have kids. We have different interests. If two of our families were to pair up, we would like overflow a whole section at yeah. a restaurant, you know. So, like, we got together last year, which was totally against the 10 people in the house rule. Mm. We do a lot of things with Lindsay and Andrew mm-hmm. because we have actually fostered siblings, mm-hmm. okay. which yeah. is how well, no, I met Lindsay when I worked with her, yeah. And you know, so it's it's been a friendship that's built on that, but the, the support is there. It, it's not necessarily a close friendship, but right. if you need something, they will drop what they are doing to be there for you. Yeah. And they're not necessarily doing it for us it, or yeah. you. They're it's doing it for the kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's because they know. Like, for example, with the way that the school year started with the hybrid model with COVID this year, right. 
our son requires a level of trust with someone to be responsive to them and, and be compliant and do what he needs to do, you know, because Shonda has so much experience with all of the kids that have come in and out of their home and everything. When I heard that she was like offering to open her house on these different cohort days, I was like, please, can, can he please come and can you please <laughs> insurance? Like she was like, yeah. And so like for the greater part of the year, our son was going over there and she was making sure he was getting his schoolwork done. And I, I don't know if I would have trusted no, not at all. anyone else or mm. any place else to have done with our son because we have that level of trust. And it does take, like, you have to know trauma. You have to know how to work with some of these kids who have come from really different backgrounds than what you are accustomed to and what you would provide in your own home to be able to effectively engage them and work with them. What would you say for, for folks in the community that maybe have never considered foster care or maybe have considered it for a long time but haven't dove into it? What would be kind of your message to them about, you know, getting involved? If you were in that situation, what type of family would you want your kid to go to? Hmm. We need more people to be out here doing this than what, than what there currently is because there's so many kids that don't even get to stay in Gaston County that come into care in Gaston mm-hmm. County have to go somewhere else so that's even more traumatic for them to have to leave their friends at school and their school and then they get behind and then it's just a never growing there's just no stability from those kids so anyway that's my that's my two cents my response would be do it and and by that it doesn't necessarily mean foster but involvement looks different in the like there's different layers of involvement in the foster care community if you don't have the ability to foster if you don't have whether it's logistically like not enough space you or anything like that try to find like try to network with churches or elsewhere where they can put you in connection with a foster family to help support and help provide you know oh you got a placement let me get you a meal like I got dinner tonight like I'm going to door dash you whatever you know like that kind of stuff respite is a huge need Unfortunately, at the very beginning of one of our placements, we had a family member pass away. I'm not about to take a kid who doesn't mm. know my extended family to a funeral. You right. know that that that's devastating and sad. And yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah, you know. So like, there we're we're human. We have families. We have real life happen. And so we uh, and thankfully there was respite available. But like respite is a need of just like a few days at a time just taking to give a family a break or an emergency comes up or something like that. Or even just being able to babysit for now. Yes. Mm. Because, you know, to get somebody to watch our kids, you know, because right now my youngest two are four and six. One, they have to be over 18. So I I can't even leave my big kids. Mm -hmm. They have to be over 18. They have a a background check done, which isn't a big deal, you know, but... If, if there was, you know, and least of these probably has one, if I would call, you know, hey, do you know some babysitters mm-hmm. that I could call for the afternoon that have already passed the background check that, you know, you have worked with before, so therefore I'm going to trust them, right. you know. But you can go through the MAPS class and just do respite to mm-hmm. start with. Mm-hmm. Or if you went through the MAPS class, you would totally be qualified to babysit for an afternoon. Because especially with COVID, I take one kid to the doctor, and if it's a doctor's appointment in the afternoon – and I've got the four-year-old with me who has severe autism. Can't leave the four-year-old in the car. 
Right. Have to send the 13-year-old into the doctor by themselves because I can't take the 4-year-old into the doctor's office because mm-hmm. of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, just all of these moving parts. And then also, I think you've seen it too, but there's a, there's a church in Raleigh that has started a laundry ministry for oh. foster homes. If if there's someone in Gaston County who wants to start that, that would be wonderful. <laughs> because like, I don't even care if you just come to my house and do the laundry. I can see everybody's eyes just lit up. Yes, because like it's there's never all, ending. Yeah, there's always laundry on my laundry room floor. We've gone through how many washer and dryers in our house? Uh, three, I think, since three, we started fostering. Foster? Yeah. Wow. Just because, like, it's a lot of The last lot. one was the teenager. <laughs> she watched a 90 or 120-page notebook that clogged so, everything. Yeah. But still, but, you know, accidents like that happen in, you know, life. But, yes. We actually have a cardboard sign on our washer that I typed up there. It says, there is absolutely no reason yet, not a zero, and, like, six other words for none. <laughs> um for you to touch the buttons on this side, except for this one, and it points to the start arrow because one of our fosters decided to turn off the spin cycle and then couldn't figure out why it took eight hours for her clothes to dry. Oh, Oh, no, yeah, that would would do (laughs) it. There's always a way to help support and get involved. And Lisa V's does a ton. I feel like I'm doing a spot. (laughs) Susanna did not pay me to do this. South Point Baptist Church does a ton of stuff. Yes. They do a training once a month where... They offer child care for your kiddos while you're doing a training to get your, your continuing education hours. Okay. You know, so you could talk to South Point and see if you could volunteer with serving the food or helping with the kiddos or, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Awesome. Parkwood does, I think, a monthly night out for parents that have yeah. adopted kids or foster mm. kids. Again, they need people who can help with kiddos. Right. Have the background check. And yeah. yeah. But it's good to know that there are multiple ways to get plugged yes. in. And it doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, I've got to be a foster parent. Mm-mm. Like if that's just not my calling, there are other ways to support the families yes. that are doing this. Yes. You sacrifice a lot as a foster parent. Yeah, you have to I be. Mean, how many Thanksgivings and Christmases have we had to. Have been impacted. Been impacted. Mm-hmm. Because we don't get to do our, let's go to Raleigh or let's go down to Spartanburg and meet with family. It's. No, we're going to go sit in this parking lot for three hours and, and drop a kid off. Or we're going to supervise. Or we're going to supervise a visit between one of our kids and their parent on Christmas morning. We've done that twice with two kids. Uh, two Christmases in a row were oh, impacted. Wow. Like Christmas Day is one Thanksgiving was com- our very first year was completely like when I say thrown off, it was. We took a placement the Friday before Thanksgiving, and so, you know, everything in foster care is incredibly responsive at first. Like, you drop everything, you change your plans, and so it it impacted Thanksgiving that year in its own way, and you have to be willing to sacrifice and make those accommodations as necessary, yeah. Mm. And there's a significant amount of time involved. You think about the appointments that you have for a child of your own. Right. You know, and then you add mm. on, you know, therapy because ninety percent of the kids in foster care go to therapy and if they didn't if they don't they should because mm-hmm. they're grieving. All of them are doing all of them. Yeah. You know, and then you add in their social worker and your social worker and a guardian at Lydum and you know, all of these people that you yeah, they don't come on the same day to meet with you either. Mm, you they do if you make them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to have foster care day. I'm like, you can come at eight, you can come at nine, you can come at ten, you can be here at eleven thirty and meet with this person at the same. When you have five kids and five GAs, yes. you like yeah. 
I would take a vacation day to have yeah. social worker day, and that mm. was when they could come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appointments, court. Court's not mandatory as a foster parent, but, like, want to know you you want to know what's going on they can't tell you some things unless you're there yes correct so Um, that you hear it you can do it but they can't she can't repeat it right visitations while while you're not necessarily there that that does impact the flow of your day between drop-off pickups all that stuff we've even had visitations where we drop the kiddo off that's three years old at the building and it's seven o'clock yeah pick her up at 8 15 and it's like this kid should have been in bed an hour ago mm-hmm. yeah. yep and you 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 roll with it you roll with it and you yeah and then you have to deal with are they going to be cranky the next day because they didn't that, get yeah. the right mm-hmm. amount of sleep <laughs> <laughs> and that you know what but that, that, that's what comes with it well, Donda, Lindsay, andrew thank you so much for coming in this morning for giving a little bit of insight into to what it's like to be a foster care parent thank you thank you, thank you oh, for